She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Dr. Ashley Lucas, who's a PhD, and she is the founder of PhD Weight Loss. And we're so excited to have you with us. Welcome, Dr. Ashley. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. So I know that you are all about ultimate weight loss. And so I love that. And so I'd love for you to share, to start off, just so we can kind of learn about you. What got you started and interested in this? And what does the day and the life look like for you? Yeah. Of of your eating and how you eat and how you stay so thin. Sure. So, you know, I come from a background of being a professional ballet dancer and I trained throughout my adolescence. I went to boarding school for it. Um, My undergraduate degrees in ballet performance. And for me, it was just a constant fight of maintaining that aesthetic demand. Uh, My body was never where I needed to be. And if it was very rarely, I was always injured and sick. And so to try to maintain that weight. I restricted calories severely for quite some time. Um, I counted fat grams, was fearful of eating any kind of fat or red meat. And I was still told I was fat countless times. Um, And so I had a fairly successful professional career as a ballet dancer. And I think it's just because I pushed and fought and worked through one injury after another. And the accumulation of my career landed when I was flown to New York to perform. And I was supposed to perform with all of these once in a lifetime shows, but instead of finding myself in the spotlight, I found myself in the ER. And I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I had a whole bunch of tests done and the neurologist came back and said that I was simply underfed and overexercised and that I just couldn't do it anymore. I had an emotional, mental, you know, physical breakdown, and I was so fearful for my health future. And more importantly to me at the time, I felt a failure. You know, I was flown home alone. I didn't know what to do with myself. And although it might not sound like a big deal, it was 20 plus years of struggle and sacrifice that just came at me like a tidal wave. And and I didn't know what to do. And so I understood then how significantly nutrition or lack thereof impacted my own sport performance. And so I went on and I I studied nutrition and I pursued my PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease. And I wanted to study exactly that. What happens to those of us who are chronic dieters? metabolically, what's going on and how do we overcome? How do we maintain this optimal body composition without severely restricting calories? And how do we do it mentally and emotionally in a way where we feel supported and sustained that we can allow for sustained results? And so I, after I earned my PhD studying that, I went on and taught at The Ohio State University. And I found there what I loved was seeing dramatic change in individuals. And I don't have much patience, so I need to see dramatic change pretty quickly. So I went back to school again and uh, completed my dietetic internship so that I could be a registered dietitian. And, you know, this, what I thought this true expert in the field of weight management, but there was an issue there. 
And that issue was that I was learning all the same things that I had implemented myself that did not work. Like looking at calories in and calories out or exercising chronically or just needing to have more willpower and more discipline. And I knew that I had more discipline than a lot of people coming from the background that I did. And I still couldn't maintain my optimal place. And so I flipped everything that I learned during that time upside down. And I took my research and I created, you know, what we implement into PhD weight loss and nutrition every day. And I began working initially with athletes and I was able to help them increase their performance and intensity and maintain an optimal body composition while supporting their metabolism. And I found what had this significant impact on these athletes had a more profound impact on those of us struggling with our weight. And so that's kind of where the PhD approach came from. And today we're just helping thousands of people really transforming their health and doing it in an unconventional way. So that's kind of my story and and my background. So let's talk about what you did yesterday. So what did you eat yesterday? What time did you eat? And what does a day in the life look like for you? So I am not a big breakfast eater and I like to really focus on dropping my carbs down throughout the day. And if I'm going to have some, I focus on doing those in the evening meal. I find that for me, it just is the best time and I can maintain my weight that way. So for breakfast, I usually fast through breakfast. If I don't do a true fast, then I put some heavy cream in my coffee with maybe a scoop of collagen, maybe a little MCT oil in there. If I'm feeling, I want something like that. I like to work out. So let's talk about that because we just got a question in. Well, go ahead. I'll let you finish and then I'll add this question in. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so yeah, usually I just blend that up. I like to try to work out in the morning um, and I like to do it more in a fasted state for me. And then um, usually lunch comes and I'm usually working throughout the day and I don't have much time to cook. So often I will do a protein shake for lunch. I really like fats. I think heavy cream might be my favorite food. So I'll do a protein powder with some heavy cream in there, maybe some frozen spinach, um, some antioxidant powders, maybe once in a while, a few strawberries. And then I'll have sometimes a snack if I'm hungry, and that might be a hard boiled egg with salt or some beef jerky or... Uh, perhaps a protein bar if I'm in a rush. And then I'll have dinner, which is usually some kind of animal protein and a lot of veggies with some kind of fat on there, like olive oil or avocado oil or butter. Hey guys, I really want you to join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. So one of the things that we get a question about all the time is what is a clean fast? And so we get this question all the time. And so I'll just kind of start by saying, obviously water that's unflavored, black coffee that's unflavored, a plain tea that's, you know, from dried 
tea leaves, like black tea, green tea, stuff like that, you know, mineral water, club soda, seltzer water, any minerals or electrolytes, those are, would be a clean fast. And then any kind of medication. So like if you take thyroid medicine in the morning, obviously, you know, you need to take that first thing in the morning. I still, that's still a clean fast. Um, now, as far as the, another one that I consider a clean fast is like an herbal tea, um, with a, a bitter flavor. And then there's kind of like that gray area, right. For me. And some of those gray areas are like any kind of flavored water, um, or like a flavored coffee, you know, if there's zero calories to it, I, my suggestion is that's a no, you know, when it has natural or artificial flavors, I don't consider that a clean fast. Some people might mm -hmm. consider that a maybe, you know, um, yep. and then there's some that are absolute no's. Like to me, like, I like how you said that, like if you choose to have cream, in your coffee or, you know, any coconut oil or MCT oil or butter in your coffee. That is not a clean fast. Do people do it and lose weight? Absolutely. But it's a matter of like, I like the way that you just said that you just said, Hey, you know, M sometimes I do a clean fast where I might have black coffee and sometimes I might not. And I have, I don't, I still am fasting. I'm just adding a little bit of cream to my coffee. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, no, you're spot on. Um, if I wanted to have a true fast and get all the benefits from fasting, then, um, I wouldn't put any cream in, in my coffee or MCT oil. So I'm on the same page with you there for sure. So we have, and you, and the reason why it just hit me, so a girl named Melanie in our Facebook group said, I just started taking a powdered collagen supplement. A lot of people take it in the morning in their coffee. I was wondering if this would get me out of my fast or if it's okay to have it with my coffee in the morning. I don't actually, I usually don't eat until around dinner time is her first meal. So what is your opinion on what she said? Yeah. I mean, the collagen, one scoop of it's going to, for most collagen powders would have 10 grams of protein. So it's really like a protein shake, um, getting that in there. So it wouldn't count as a true fast if, if we added that in there. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it just like add that, you know, she had said, I usually don't eat until dinner time. For me, I would say, go ahead and have this. A lot of times what I do is I'll have black coffee in the morning, but I do like having coffee with cream every once in a while. So I will just, I have a coconut, um, coconut creamer that I love. And so sometimes like if I'm doing a fast, I'll do black coffee or, or just like a green tea in the morning. And then around one or two, I might have a cup of coffee with a little bit of coconut creamer. And then that will take me if I wanted to do an extended fast, maybe to a longer window. So that's just yeah. something that I do, but I like that. Yeah. You're pushing it out a little bit more. Yeah. So you have more hours invested in that true fast. Exactly. Um, so anyway, give us like a typical, so you said in the morning, you kind of have the coffee, you have, sometimes you'll have it with cream. Sometimes you won't, but then keep going. 
And I usually enter in really eating around noon to one. Okay. Um, So that gives me about 16 hours generally where I'm not focused on food. And so at noon, I'll usually, if I'm busy and I don't have much time, I would just make a protein shake. And that would be a protein powder that's low carb, maybe 15 to 20 grams worth of protein. I throw some fat in there. So for me, I like heavy cream or some MCT oil. I use macadamia nut milk usually as the base instead of water just to make it creamier. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'll throw some frozen spinach in there and a few strawberries, maybe some kind of antioxidant powder if I have some at the house. And that's what's it. your favorite, what's your favorite protein powder that you love? That's a great question. I've gone through a few different ones. I, you know, I like Tara's way. Um, also 365, the whole foods brand, um, of whey, you know, grass fed whey protein powder. I like that. And then just recently I've tried true lean protein powder, which I like it's sweetened with stevia and monk fruit. Mm -hmm which is going to be my, my preference over say sucralose or even erythritol. Okay. So those have been my favorites so far. Okay. So you'll have that protein shake you said, or maybe around one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then- and then usually around three to four, I might have a snack if I'm hungry after that. Okay. And that terrace yeah. weight protein that you have, I do like it because A, it is organic and it's grass fed. And I think it's like yeah. 22 grams of protein for one serving for that. That's right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. All right. And so then for a snack, I usually have again, maybe 15, 20 grams of protein and something with some kind of fat. So if I'm in a rush, it might be a protein bar. Um, and I try not to eat too many, like if I have a protein shake, I try not to have a protein bar in the same day because I like to eat real food. Um, but maybe two hard boiled eggs and some salt, sea salt, or, um, maybe some beef jerky. If we have some in the house, um, I like berries, I might do some berries and nuts and olives, something like that. Awesome. And then what, what is a typical dinner for you? Dinner is usually some kind of protein. Um, I like steak. I like red meat. Uh, Last night we had salmon and salad. Pretty simple. Or I really love to roast cauliflower or broccoli with some cut up bacon and mushrooms. I think that's delicious. We like steak. We'll grill steak. Um, We'll do taco night. I have three kids, so they enjoy that. But I usually just put our taco meat and toppings on top of a bed of lettuce or some kind of greens. So obviously my first choice is for someone to fast and not eat anything. But if you are really struggling and you need another solution, I want to tell you about a product that I saw. And when I first saw it, I was like, what in the world? This makes no sense. You can't fast by eating a bar. But I do want you to know that a lot of people kind of get stuck and they need a little bit of a crutch. And we all know that fasting can be a huge challenge because you are A, hungry. You've got to dip in energy. You're going to 
they get hangry at times. And so there is this bar. It's called the Fast Bar. It's the only bar scientifically formulated for intermittent fasting. It's non-GMO, gluten-free, you know, no soy, no dairy, all those good things. It's keto-friendly. You can use it if you're doing keto, if you're doing low-carb or plant-based or gluten-free, whatever you want to do, it works for. They've got a bunch of different flavors. My favorite is the blueberry acai. So the bars are available at Sprouts, at FastBar.com, and at Amazon. And if you use the code WASTEAWAY, you'll get an additional 10% off the already discounted products at FastBar.com. So from what I'm hearing, what is kind of your opinion on carbs? So like how often are you eating them? So like what you just described, what you just described in that day Mm -hmm. was really your carbs came from a tiny bit, like you even said, a couple of strawberries and Mm -hmm. um, the rest of your carbs looked like it came from vegetables and lettuce. So would you say that would be the the majority of your diet would be coming from the carbs that you're eating is a lot of that's coming from fruits and vegetables. That's right. And maybe some dark chocolate, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, primarily from, uh, from veggies and fruits and um, maybe we'll do some starchy veggies once in a while, but it's not common for us. So how important is that protein to help keep you full and keep yourself satisfied? Yeah, the the protein and really the healthy fats are the key. If we try to drop carbs and we don't increase our calories from either proteins or fats, we're going to find that it's unsustainable and we're hungry and we're going to give in, give up and just eat whatever we want. And so we have to make sure that we're getting in adequate fat. So I'll talk to you a little bit about how I look at the macros. And so carbohydrates, we all have our unique carbohydrate tolerance level. And that's the level of carbs that we can tolerate without having hunger, cravings, or weight gain. We're all different. My carb tolerance is different than my husband's and it's going to be different than yours. My kids are way different than us. They have a much higher carbohydrate tolerance level than adults do just in general. And so if we can find that sweet spot where we can enter in and eat within our carb tolerance level, we'll find that we don't have these rapid cravings, we don't have hunger, and we can usually drop weight and sustain it there. So that's how I look at carbs. If we overeat our carbs, we're going to gain weight, be hungry, be inflamed, and it's not going to feel very good. Then we need to have an adequate amount of protein to support our muscle mass. If we eat way above and beyond as much protein maybe as we want or just you know go crazy on it, there's a rate-limiting step there, and at some point, it's just going to store as fat. So it's not like we can eat all the protein in the world and not have to think about it. There's going to be a specific amount where it supports our muscle mass and helps us feel full. And then we look at dietary fat and the role of dietary fat is to keep us feeling satiated and full. If we overeat the amount of dietary fat that we need, then there's no reason for the body to tap into the stored stuff. But if we undereat it, then we're going to be hungry and we're not going to be able to maintain this lifestyle. So we're kind of trying to find those sweet spots. And once we can get it all meshed together, then we should be able to maintain this this place that feels good where we don't have this excess fat weight holding us back and um, we don't have the inflammation and the cravings and the hunger. 
Mm. So yesterday I went to lunch and there was a new restaurant called Harvest down at the oceanfront that I went to. And I ended up getting, it was like a spinach smoothie that had tons of greens and I added extra kale, extra spinach, and it had a little bit of fruit in there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it had like strawberries and berries. And then they also had fresh squeezed orange juice. So I had about a probably I, we got one orange juice. I split it with the family. Cause I was like, I really was craving it. So I had about a third of a cup of orange juice. And then I got a whole roasted avocado, like that they split in half that they just roasted. And then I had a kale salad with very light, um, citrus dressing. And I left there and we, we got back to the house and I was like ravenous, like, cause I was thinking, okay, I ate a lot. Like I had that smoothie. I had like this kale salad was like this big. And then I had that roasted avocado. And then I had that third cup of orange juice and I came home and I was like, I am ravenous. Like I was so hungry. And I was thinking, I was looking back at my meal and I asked for protein in that protein shake, but I think they just forgot it because I could taste it wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. And that I think, cause I had the fat, I had a whole avocado, an entire one, and I was ravenous. Mm-hmm. And so I just think people don't realize how important that protein is to keeping you satiated. Cause if I had that protein in there, or if I had some grilled chicken or something on top of that, or maybe two, two eggs over medium, I was just trying to evaluate how did I come home? And then I came home and then ate the only thing we, we just bought this new beach house. And so we had very little in there. So the only thing we had was these caramel rice cakes. And I had like, Mm five caramel rice cakes. Cause I was so hungry still, yeah. but then I, it just wasn't satisfying. So no. just talk about that for just a second of like, how do you get rid of the cravings that, that you have and not feel deprived from the carbs? Yeah. So one thing to go, to go back before we get to that is I think also uh, a lot of people might look at certain foods thinking that it has protein in it and that it's their protein source when it doesn't like, for example, we might put beans on a salad thinking that we're getting protein, but the carbohydrate to protein ratio is so high. Like, you know, in in a third of a cup of beans, there might be 15 grams of carbohydrate and three grams of protein. Same with nuts. We might have nuts on a salad and some people might think, well, I'm getting my protein from the nuts and it's just not going to be sufficient. And they're going to have that same outcome that you had there yesterday. So just a quick note on that. And so Chantel, your question was, um, how do we prevent those cravings from happening and what do we do when we have them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, just Deciphering between if it's a true craving or if it's hunger is the first step. So yesterday, looking at how you felt, was that true hunger? Was that a metabolic? You had this blood glucose up, swing up, and then you had this compensatory low. So when that happens, that's probably true hunger there. And so my best suggestion at that point would be usually when you have hunger like that, we need to feed the body some kind of protein with a fat. 
And so those rice cakes, you know, just put gasoline on that fire. <laughs> and probably for the rest of the day, you fell off and hungry. Um, but so if you had had some kind of protein there, that would have been awesome. Like again, a hard boiled egg or some kind of chicken or even a protein shake at that point that had 20 grams of protein in it would have helped. Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audio book for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at chantelrayway.com and you'll get the audio book right away. So talk about some of your favorite proteins. Like I want to hear some more typical lunches and dinners. And one of the things you mentioned was, which, which I've actually would say less people say this than what you said, but you said that you, if you are going to have carbs, you eat them at night. And I think that's smart, but I want to hear your reasoning behind that. Sorry, Chantel, we froze. Can you repeat that? Oh, sure. I said, one of the things that was interesting of what I just heard you say was that when you do have carbs, you eat them later at night. So like if you wanted a potato, you're going to eat that later at night. And I think I know why, but I want to hear it from you first, which is interesting because a lot of people, if you read these different magazines would say, no, if you want to have carbs, eat them earlier in the day so you can burn them off. Right. So what is your reasoning behind that? When we eat carbs at the beginning of the day, I would actually say the most important meal of the day to not consume carbohydrates would be the breakfast meal. Because carbohydrates, not that they're evil, but they have the most profound effect on how we metabolize all other nutrients. So if we eat them in the morning, I want you to imagine that it almost flips off the switch to burning fat for the rest of the day. So we're on, imagine if you ate that for breakfast, you would have been on this roller coaster high and low for the entire day. Luckily you squished it down into the last few hours of the day. So when we eat them with the evening meal, it allows us to be really you know, burning fat throughout the day, not have those cravings and research. Some research shows that when we eat a little bit of carbohydrate from clean sources with our dinner meal, it helps to decrease cortisol and increase dopamine, serotonin, which is our, our feel-good neurotransmitters and help to reduce stress and increase our quality and quantity of sleep. Um, and so that's really why we focus on if we're going to eat those carbs to do it with the dinner meal. And by clean carbs, I mean more potato or sweet potato, winter squash, maybe some rice, maybe some quinoa. Mm, I love quinoa. Yeah, it's pretty good. I do love it. That's my one thing that I try not to have too, like, uh, we talked about grains on our last episode with, um, a doctor and he talks about how he doesn't have gluten, but he also doesn't have any grains, but the one grain that I actually feel great with is quinoa. So I can have quinoa yeah. and it does not bother me in any way, shape or form. And I, I know I can eat it without having an issue. So I don't, I don't, that's one thing I do not take out of my diet is I don't have a ton of it, by the way, it's right. usually like sprinkled in a salad or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be the base of your meal. So let's give us like a little bit of a tasting of what the PhD weight loss 
is about. So give us a kind of a brief overview of what someone's going to expect. Cause I know you give them a free ultimate weight loss secrets for free. Um, mm-hmm. you guys need to go onto our site and, and get that book, but give us a few tips that you have in there. Yeah. You know, I, I find that 80% of any change comes from the mind and any big change. And I, and I think that dropping weight and maintaining it classifies as a significant change in our lives. And so what we do at PhD is we understand the science behind what we're eating and when and how much. And so we create customized meal plans according to each individual and guiding them on exactly what they're going to be doing for their nutrition. And we implement fasting in there as well. If the client um, is ready and, and wants to do that, or if we feel it's best for the client and we do that often. So that comes from the nutrition side of things. But as I just said, we really have to look at this from almost an addiction recovery standpoint. A lot of our clients are truly addicted to food. And when it comes to that, we need to pay attention to the mental, emotional, the habits and behaviors that um, direct how we eat our food and why we eat. And so at PhD, in addition to creating a customized meal plan, we also have our weekly one-on-one coaching sessions with our nutritionists and dietitians, our addiction recovery specialists, our life and health coaches, where we really focus on the person as an individual and really create sustainable change from a behavioral aspect. So every week our clients are coming in, we look at their food intake, we tweak things as they go, because as you slim down, your body changes, your dietary needs change. If our clients, you know, have hunger or cravings, which is rare, but if something's off, we pinpoint it, figure out what's going on and shift the nutrition to support that. And then we alternate our nutrition discussions with a ton of cognitive behavioral work, focusing on creating new habits and behaviors and neural pathways in the brain so we can create sustainable change. We also provide 85% of the food to our clients at no additional cost should they choose to use it. So all of our clients have a choice. They can use the foods that we provide or they can use all of their own foods and we guide them through that process. If they use the foods from us, it might cover breakfast, most of their lunch and snacks, but dinner meal is going to be on their own, their responsibility, but with us holding their hand through the process of learning what that meal looks like. So we give hundreds of recipes, dine out guide, dining out guides, takeout guides, really allowing them to be an expert at one meal at a time. So it's like little baby steps and they don't get overwhelmed and just give in and give up. So we really focus on the dinner meal. And then once they become this expert at dinner, we practice lunch and then we practice breakfast. So by the time we get the body really where it needs to be, our clients are totally self-sufficient, understand their eating style, understand what their carb tolerance level is and their protein and fat. And then we've um, over time created really deep neural pathways that allow for sustainable behavior change. So let's say that if you were going to copy some of the the lunches that you had prepared for them, and I'm, just to be honest, I'm I'm very against people doing like prepared meals mm-hmm. where you buy the meals for yourself, or you know, like you have that because 
I feel like then you, then what happens is, is they get used to having like a prepared meal. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, instead of them learning how to do it themselves, but maybe for a little while, I guess, to kind of, kind of understand like, okay, what is the right portion size and what fills me up and how do I feel when I eat it? I guess for a short amount of time, it would be okay. So what would some of the, what are some of the lunches that you have for people? Yeah. So Uh, About our philosophy, um, you know, I used to just have everyone have their own meal plan with all of their own foods and the failure rate was extremely high. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I think for a lot of people, it's overcomplicated and it's too much of a big change all at once. So all it is, I found that we need for success is little baby steps. So they're never dependent on the food or else we haven't done our objective and they've achieved no change. You know, they they enter into maintenance and just regain in a, in a minute because they haven't learned what they need to do and what their eating style is. So we really do it in a process of gradually releasing the food. So there's never any dependency, but they actually can create change. And it's remarkable. About 95% of our clients are able to achieve their optimal weight and 85% who participate in maintenance maintain within three pounds. So we're doing a lot of work in, in within that time of you know relearning how to eat. And like you said, what portions are correct and you know what is normally full is also another thing that we need to learn. And so the foods are a helpful tool with that. Um, with the lunches, um, say if a client's on maintenance, what I would suggest is about half the amount of protein that we usually eat with dinner. So if a guy's eating eight ounces of protein for dinner, then for lunch, it might be about four to five ounces. Uh, Again, depends on your body size and your activity level and all of that. Um, For most women, it might be two to three ounces of some kind of protein. It can be fatty cuts of meat if you like that. It could be chicken with the skin if you want it. So nothing you know, fat-free, nothing low-fat, but real food. If you're going to eat an egg, eat the egg with the yolk. The yolk is the best part. And so having some kind of protein there and then some kind of veggie. Um, It could be a salad. It could be non-starchy veggies are usually going to be your best bet. And then some kind of healthy fat on there. So a full fat salad dressing, or if you're going to get a burger, you can get it, you know, with the cheese and the toppings on there, but a lettuce wrap instead of the bun. Um, Yeah, stuff like that. If you're going to get a sandwich, I would let go of the bread, but eat everything else with it. So what are, give us some more sugar or carb craving crushers, like these things, like if you do this, it's going to really help you to just get rid of all the sugar and carb cravings that you have. Give us a few more tips on that. Sure. So something that has fat in it. So if you're in a bind, you could get an Americano with some steamed heavy cream in it from Starbucks or something like that. Usually hot fluids fill your stomach and kind of take out that craving as well. I really like fat bombs. You can look them up online and make some fat bomb recipes, keep them in your freezer and eat one of those. Maybe some cream cheese on celery could be something that would do it. Um, Salt, drinking water. So like two hard boiled eggs with salt and a big glass of water would probably cut that craving for sweets. 
Um, let's see, what else could you do? You could do a protein shake. Usually those are a little sweeter and might get the cravings to go away. Um, cause you've had that taste there. Um, a protein bar, you know, we have some protein bars that our clients like to do that with a cup of coffee and cream is like the treat of the day. So you could find a, a healthier version and it could be a good substitute for say a Snickers bar or something like that. Awesome. Let's talk about vegetable oils. And, you know, right now vegetable oils have been getting a, a pretty bad rap lately and can mm -hmm. cause people have been talking about it causing obesity and diabetes. What is your opinion about some of these unhealthy vegetable oils? I'd like you to talk about that. Yeah, there is a lot of research behind exactly what you said and that these Omega-6 uh, fatty acids, these vegetable oils, canola oil included, safflower, sunflower, soybean, cottonseed oil, that they could potentially be the first step in causing obesity. And so there's a lot of theory behind, you know, the insulin theory of obesity. If insulin is high, then it's going to increase fat storage and we're going to become inflamed and obese. But if you take it a whole nother level below that, there's the theory of our fat cells and how they correspond to these um, omega-6 fatty acids. And so there are some theories out there that it is the basis, even before we get to the um, becoming insulin resistant, it causes insulin resistance. So um, there is a lot of research to support that. We also do know that our ratios here, especially in the United States of omega-6s to omega-3s is way off. And I even you know, had my levels assessed and I don't eat much boxed foods, but my omega-6s were high, um, despite really focusing on my nutrition and taking omega-3s. Um, I was also nursing at the time. And so we know that the baby's going to pull a lot of those omega threes from the body, but it's a big deal. And we always advise to stay away from those vegetable oils and omega sixes as often as we can. And instead focus on, um, olive oil, avocado oil, some coconut oil, butter, if you can tolerate the saturated fats. So I definitely think it is an area that we should have focus. And what is your opinion about gluten? Do you ever eat it or do you take it completely out of your diet? And how does that work for you? You know, I don't think that it's a culprit for everybody. I find that we don't really get much good from it anyway. You know, it's never been like, let's eat gluten to achieve this really great health marker. You know, I've never heard of that before. Um, and so I don't eat much. I also have investigated my genetics, epigenetics, DNA. And so when I took a look at that, it said that, you know, I was at a higher propensity of developing gluten intolerance and sensitivity. So for me, it's just a food that I know I'm not going to get anything great from. And so we don't eat much in the house. Uh, you know, I don't say that my kids are gluten-free, but we probably buy more gluten-free options than gluten-containing. But if they want to have a piece of bread, and they're out at a restaurant, you know, or a pancake or something, it's fine, but we don't focus on it. And it's a, a, again, an item that we just aren't going to gain much benefit from rather than other than taste. Awesome. Is there anything that I haven't asked you or that you want people to know about? Let's see, you know, just 
I think understanding that we can make a change if we want to. You know, I know that for a lot of us, we have failed previous dieting attempts and we're fearful that nothing's going to work and that we're going to fail again. But we have seen so many times, thousands of times, people transform their life and really make change. So as long as, you know, your desire to change significantly outweighs your desire to stay the same. Um, and you bring your A game and commitment, man, you can make huge changes in your health through small, simple steps. So I just, I think it's important to let people know it's possible and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It can be pretty fun. And I think exciting if you do it in a way that feels good and, and is sustainable. Awesome. <clears throat> Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Sure. So our website is myphdweightloss.com. And on there, I have that new ebook, The Ultimate Weight Loss Secrets, where I talk a lot about what we chatted on today and more. And it's free if you go there and download it right now. And then also you can follow me at Dr. Underscore Ashley Lucas on Instagram and Facebook. And then we have our PhD page also at PhD Weight Loss. You can follow us there on our social media platforms. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us and we will see you next time. You guys stay tuned yeah, thank for another you so episode. Much. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.